0: Session with
1: Dr. Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Hulakou, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Those of you listening live on Radio Hamra, that was not me playing piano we were having some technical difficulties everything seems to be sorted out studio number 3104410555 you can follow me on twitter or instagram or like my page on facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my soundcloud page and podcast on spotify and apple podcasts again our studio number 3104410555 I'll get to the books of the week because on Monday's show I was very happy to be joined by my brother Parham to discuss gun rights and the gun debate in the United States. Very nice to have his perspective with someone with a legal and economics background and just his own thoughts on it uh, to discuss that very important issue in the United States. Hope you enjoyed that discussion. So let's get to the books, the books of the week. The book of the week for this week that I'll discuss next week is The Little Book of Hugå by Mike Viching. I actually uh, consulted with someone who is Danish to help me, and all mispronunciations are my own. Uh, they were very helpful, but I, I was still struggling with it. But The Little Book of Hugå, which is H-Y-G-G-E, uh, and the subtitle of the book is Danish Secrets to Happy Living. And so this um, emotion or concept of Hugå is this sense of comfort. Of course, I'll read the book to understand it better and share it with you. And so um, this book, I think, is relevant to some of the talks I've had before about how feelings can be um, very important. The words we put to them can make us understand them better. And in some languages, we have names for certain types of feelings that we don't and others, and that can affect even what we feel and what we experience. But looking forward to reading this book and sharing it with you Next week, The Little Book of Hugo by Mike Viching. And um, I might do some more mispronunciations with the authors of the book from last week, so I apologize in advance for that. But it was a very, very um, interesting book, one that taught me a lot because it's a topic I didn't know much about and I'll get into it, but I, I highly recommend it. And that is The Future is Degrowth by Matthias Schmelzer, Andrea Vedder, and Aaron Van Sintjen, the Future is Degrowth, A Guide to a World Beyond Capitalism. And so I was drawn to this book, really, I came across it randomly searching, looking at different books, and I don't remember how it um, showed up for me. But for quite some time, I have been thinking about the limits to capitalism and, and really the unhealthy aspects of capitalism for Humanity for society for our individual psyches our relationships and the ways we live our lives and that there must be something there must be something better than capitalism to create as a system and I I think it's a very obviously complex issue one that won't be solved easily and it's so easy just to say a system is bad or wrong because every system is going to be imperfect. But it can be important to try to understand what seems to be wrong, what are the problems, and also to suggest solutions or ideas how things can be different. So it's very easy to let's say you look at a curriculum and say, "Oh, that there's problems with this curriculum; it's incomplete." But there always will be. What can you suggest? So capitalism is this very strong, obviously, idea and ideology that affects so much of our life and has been so much a part of uh, human recent history that it can be hard to imagine a world without it or in a different world and so most people when you say there's a problem with capitalism they hear it as a very empty type of just um, almost like a rebellious type of statement saying that you know you don't like the people in power or the way that the powerful people are doing things or people who have an idealistic or utopian mindset they think it's so easy to create a peaceful world but they are just really dreaming and imagining things. So in this book, The Futures Degrowth, the authors outline this concept of degrowth that I'll get into a bit, but also give first the issues they see some major critiques of capitalism, capitalism from some various uh, dimensions or areas of looking at it, and also what they suggest as solutions or possible directions to go in to lead to solutions to create a better world, a more just world, a more equitable world, and a world that is more geared towards human well-being. So the future is degrowth, that term degrowth was actually new to me, I had not heard it until I read this book, and essentially Um, Not only did I pronounce things wrong, but some of these concepts are going to be quite challenging, and so uh, I do encourage you to read the book. I'm going to do my best, as always, to explain the concepts, but they are quite complex. But if we look at degrowth, one way of looking at it for me is this sense that the traditional mindset of capitalism looks at growth is good and growth is always good, and essentially that... More growth is good and continuously growing is the only thing we are looking at. And this growth is also often measured with one index or one indicator, GDP, gross domestic product. And if so, we see a certain percentage rise in GDP from this year compared to last year, good. Economy did well. And that's it. And so that was one of the first things that struck me as incomplete when I looked at Issues related to capitalism and how we look at the market was that it just seems so incomplete to me to look at one indicator to determine if the economy is doing well. And so, what actually we see happening with our economy and the way we view it is it's like it's its own thing, almost disconnected from how we are doing in the sense that if we see that it went up or it increased, oh, good. Uh, That means we're having a good year. If it went down or didn't go up as much as we'd like, that's bad. Rather than really looking at how are people doing? How is the well-being of the country, the nation, the world been affected this last year or whatever period we're measuring? Rather than is there just this indication that something went up? So sometimes when we try to measure things, it can be obviously good, we need to measure things, but sometimes the measurement becomes the whole thing, and then we lose sight of why was it there in the first place. And one of the things we can recognize is that what tends to now happen is that rather than the economy serving humanity and serving people, it's people are serving The economy. We have it the other way around. It's okay. We have to make sure the economy is okay. You hear this. And actually, they point out about crises and how these can actually uh, really be important and influential in both our understanding of how things work, but also how they don't work, and also about trying alternatives. Because what we saw during the COVID pandemic was that lots of things came to a halt. The quote unquote economy came to a halt in a lot of ways or slowed down. And a lot of measures that normally would be considered so radical and, uh, you know, even left of socialist types of ideas were being implemented even in a country like the United States, which is so very capitalistic focused or has that mindset. Things like um, putting a freeze on evictions, furloughing workers, putting pauses on different ways that people might be affected negatively if they couldn't pay for certain things. We saw some... um, Indications that well maybe we can try to take care of people better than uh, working or just focusing on the economy now of course it likely was because people are being affected that normally were not affected and so one of the things they also point out is that the economy as it currently stands tends to benefit the global north and then also on top of that the more wealthy individuals who are living a imperial type of lifestyle and have all the things they need and are, are doing quite well, whereas many others, billions, are suffering or not doing well. And the world also, the uh, environment, ecologically, we see damages as well. But so the COVID pandemic, as many other crises have done, made us realize, okay, what, what are we doing here? For me as well, we had the sense that even we'd hear politicians say, it was almost like we're choosing between saving lives or saving the economy. And that to me is quite troubling or puzzling when we think about, again, why do we focus on the economy or worry about how we develop our economy? Is it to serve the economy or isn't the economy to serve humanity, to serve people? We create the best system. But we heard that type of argument being made, and for some people in the United States, you would hear both individuals and politicians, oh, we need to open everything up because we have to save the economy rather than saving lives. And so this is something that I think is really unfortunate when we look at how we view our system, that everything, because of how we can view the economy as being so important, comes down to money. I was talking to uh, my brother about this, how you know we, we measure hurricanes by the damage they cost financially. You know, it's estimated hurricanes. I don't know the number, so I won't say a specific one. Hurricane so and so. This cost $18 billion of damage or $3 billion of damage rather than lives that were lost. Those might come up also, but we get drawn by these economic figures, these money or dollar figures to emphasize or to give us an idea of what something was worth or what the damage was worth. And this is where I think it's so problematic and why I take issue with it is that we are making it that money and these dollar amounts, are the most important thing that's what matters if more money was made good people's lives were lost there's more inequality we damage the environment that doesn't that's not important as long as the economy did well it was a good year for the country or for the world or for humanity and i think that's a very backwards way of looking at things and very wrong way of looking at things but that's where we've gotten ourselves to that we, we look at things in that way and so that's why i've been drawn to this that one capitalism as a system to me seems that a lot have a lot of flaws and after the break i'll talk a bit more about some of the critiques that they talk about in the book these different aspects of looking at what are the problems with capitalism and this mindset of just growing of course that's nothing can grow infinitely that's not possible but when that's our mindset we can see that we are going to get ourselves in trouble which we already have from many different standpoints including environmentally where we're causing damage and taking resources that are not unlimited and that's going to create and already has created problems, but also what type of a vision can we have for the future? And as I said, some people might think of it as idealistic or might think it's easy to just imagine, but make it reality. But in this book, they do get a bit more concrete into what type of visions and values we want to have, because when it comes to either your individual life, your relationships or an economy whether it's consciously or deliberately described or not there are values that guide what's going on so in your own life you might not think about your values but because of the actions you take and the ones you don't take you are valuing certain things and living a life based on some values in your relationship the same thing and the economy the same thing so right now we have an economy that values growth and more and accumulation And that is problematic because it doesn't lead to better lives and better outcomes, more justice, more equitable ways of living. And so I'll get more into some of these critiques of capitalism that they discuss in the book and some other ideas related to this topic of degrowth. The future is degrowth, a guide to a world beyond capitalism. Continuing the discussion after the break. We'll be right back. Welcome back continuing the discussion on the book the future is degrowth a guide to a world beyond capitalism by matthias smeltzer andrea vetter and aaron van cinchen and so as i was saying to me uh, there's so many issues obviously we can see with with capitalism and i'll get into some of the critiques that they have and to me it's inevitable that we will have to come up with a different type of system likely it'll be evolving usually things evolve especially socially and you know Fits and spurts. There's some big jumps and then slowing down, going back. But I think the movement has to go in that direction. I was actually thinking of how to how to say that. In some ways, we can say, or I can say, I don't can imagine that in maybe even less than two hundred years. But um, either humanity won't exist or capitalism won't exist. If you want my opinion on that, that we can't keep going the way we're gonna we are going. That something will will have to give. And so I mentioned this before, and maybe it was very naive the way I said it, that greater minds than me. Well, that part wasn't naive. Would think of better ways of creating an economy um, in the future. The naive part was that people are already doing that type of work and looking at what is possible um, and what we can do. And so in this book, they get into various things that we can try to explore to get to making a better economy. That's more, to me, I would say humanistic or and also realistic long-term. But let me get to some of the critiques or the, the different areas of critique when they look uh, discuss capitalism. So the first one is the ecological critique, which is that the way we are currently living and the way our economy is geared and life is geared, we are destroying, as they put it here, the ecological foundations of human life and it cannot be transformed to become sustainable. And that last part, cannot be transformed to be sustainable, The authors argue that the things like the Green New Deal here in the United States are these these green technologies that are suggested to uh, be the solution. It's not that those ideas are bad as far as going towards renewable energy sources, that's a very good idea, but that that will be enough. So they argue that if we stay within the growth paradigm, which is how a lot of these proposals are put forth, we still won't be able to overcome the ecological damages that we're making or we won't be able to reverse the damage going forward so that we won't destroy the planet essentially destroy it from the the standpoint of humans being able to survive as i say that i'm reminded of a george carlin uh, bit where he said that it's not that we're going to destroy the earth we're going to destroy humans the earth will be here just humans won't be able to live on earth and so the way we are going we won't be able to do that so um, that's a big point is the ecological critique, that if we look at the damage that is being done, the amount of consumption, the amount of waste and products and byproducts and the ways we are affecting our environment, it is not sustainable, we are already creating damage. Not only that, it is unequally experienced already and will continue to be, that's something that is another part of the uh, inequity that is there. That more people who will experience the consequences will be from the global south or individuals who are living closer or living in poverty, and those who are wealthier will experience it less, but or I should say delayed, because eventually it's going to be damaging the whole planet, so it won't be something that people will be spared from, but as far as when, there might be some delays in when people experience that. So that's a big one, is this ecological critique that... What we're doing is not sustainable for the planet, and we need to make some huge changes in order to move towards something that is sustainable. The second is the socioeconomic critique. And to me, this is maybe as a psychologist, strikes me so deeply, but that their critique is it mismeasures so this is capitalism our lives and thus stands in the way of well being and equality of all. So the equality of all. Definitely the capitalistic system leads to more and more inequities within countries and cultures, societies, but also especially globally, we we see this substantially. But also mismeasuring our lives, that part really resonates with me as a psychologist, because if we look at the way our world operates, our economy operates and how it makes us operate, it does turn us more and more into these working machines and of course machines and doing our work that itself is an argument that or a theme that that comes up throughout the book which is important but what i see in humanity is we are going away from the things that make life meaningful in the sense that when we look at even studies that are done in a country like america what makes people most happy long term studies on happiness well being we see that the biggest indicator is our relationships our Closeness and connection with loved ones, not our closeness and connection with millions of followers and things on social media. There can be value to that, but not in the sense of what's going to lead to long-term well-being. It's our relationships and we don't have an economy that serves us in that way or a way of living the amount of time we work the ways that we undervalue relationships, undervalue something they bring up a lot, things related to reproduction and care. A person who is raising a child is not considered valuable in the sense of it doesn't produce or doesn't actually, they don't receive wages, so it doesn't contribute to GDP in that way. We might say indirectly it does by doing things and they might calculate that, but the ways that we undervalue certain things like taking care of one another, like relationships. This to me is huge and something that I see as a big problem and something that we accept because, again, the system is something most of us have lived in our whole lives and it's so powerful and has so many um, layers to it. It's not something that can easily be changed or even think about changing it, but I think it's important to do so, to recognize things can be different. But for me, this is a big one, this sense that We are not valuing life in the way that we should and what makes humans their well-being better physically, mentally, emotionally and always capitalism does not do that. It measures different indicators, things like GDP or that's the main one and the way the markets are working. So if we sell lots of cigarettes and people smoke, that could be good for the economy and then people go to the hospitals and that's good for the economy too because they have to spend money on medical bills and then for their funerals and for whatever else is going on. So we can see that when we focus on um, these types of indicators, index, uh, GDP, that's a good thing, we see that what might be unhealthy for individuals might be healthy for the economy and I don't think that mismatch is good. We want what's healthy for people to then be good for the economy or however we do uh, decide to create that rather than the other way around. But that's currently what we we have. And so there's the cultural critique, which is related, that capitalism produces alienating ways of working and living and relating to each other in nature. So those two, you can see, to me at least, there's relevance or connection. All of them are going to be connected in some way. But again, the sense that what we measure our lives in or how we create our lives is not good for our, our overall well-being. There's a feminist critique which relates to things like um, there's a lot of exploitation that takes place but also devaluing reproduction as i mentioned a critique critique of industrialism which um, capitalism leads to undemocratic productive forces and techniques that we see throughout the world and then this south north critique that we see that individuals in certain countries get the benefits of the capitalistic system where individuals in other countries don't and of course it's not just country to country of course there's going to be those generalizations that are true but then also within countries the wealthier receiving the benefits and the poor not receiving them and the poor also paying the price or or sharing or carrying the burden for for what takes place so to me we have to be very open-minded about looking at what can be possible outside of capitalism that the system itself is not serving us, it is something that we are serving it, that it becomes more powerful, more meaningful than human life and human experiences, which as I mentioned was so evident uh, during the coronavirus pandemic and even the way arguments were presented, save the economy versus save people essentially was what it was coming down to. So we have to move towards a more uh, equitable and democratic way of doing things financially. And so, even as I was reading the book, I will share, you know, degrowth, and when they talk about what that means, it could make it seem like degrowth is like anti-progress or anti-moving forward in some ways, which it's not. It's creating a system that is more sustainable, more equitable. It could mean, or likely, it definitely will mean, lowering consumption for some individuals. Let's say the wealthy is 20% of the world or 20% of each country, depending on how you would look at that. But in in general, there will be some need for reduction of consumption that will likely come from those who are currently over-consuming, which would be um, countries like the United States and others and the wealthier individuals. And so I will share this feeling I did have. I I very much was in line with the, the mindset and the values and the principles. And then I would have these moments of, wait, but does that mean you know, things that I do that are fun or that I enjoy, I would lose them or I wouldn't get to have them. Or how would that really tangibly change my life? Because I didn't want to just, you know, it's very easy again to say, oh, capitalism is bad, but ignore how much you enjoy some of these fruits of capitalism when we don't have to pay the price and you get to enjoy them, being realistic about that. And so I did have those moments of experiencing what would that be like. But in reading the book and seeing the some of the visions of communities and connections, uh, I do think that, yes, we would be giving up something, but really it would be something that we're having too much of, overconsumption of things, for creating more meaningful types of experiences, relationships, and lifestyles that they talk about in the book, lowering the work week or the average work week, something that's very feasible um, long term. Uh, having more time for one another. When I think about the moments that make me feel good, feel happy, it are those moments of connection. Yes, getting new things, getting something delivered to your door the next day feels great in some ways and kind of have a nice feeling, but really it's replacing or using that to replace or instead of going towards the things that genuinely make us happy and feel good long-term. So I just wanted to share that because I did have these moments throughout the book where I think, okay, this is great. This is really interesting. Um, the ideas are complex. They're new to me, a lot of them. So it was a lot to take in. And I, I was very interested and excited reading it and then have these moments of, wait, but what would that look like? Would I have to stop doing this? Or would this about my life change? And I'm sure there would have to be changes. Um, whenever we make some kind of a huge change societally, of course, there's gonna be big changes we have to make. But to me, it does make sense to move towards a society, an economy that is serving people more, and also that serves everyone more. Because one of the huge things we see is the inequities in the world, the inequalities in the world come about inevitably from a capitalistic type of society. That when we have that, you will continue. And then those who have more will continue to have more because of Uh, The means that they will have based on that in a capitalistic society, and even they mentioned having income caps. So you know, we talk about raising the minimum wage, which I think is important. Not only that, they talk about uh, everyone having the basic resources, which I'm totally all about. It's one of the things I've really dislike about the United States is things like not having universal health care, which I think is uh, embarrassing. It's really, really sad and heartbreaking that we consider that something that you have to afford or that um, families, individuals go bankrupt because of medical bills and expenses. I think that is horrific and that even individuals in the United States don't always have access to things like food and water and shelter and things like that is really something that I think is heartbreaking and is, again, artifacts of this capitalistic system that needs to change. And it doesn't mean again the solutions will be simple will be easy but to me that's a big pull for me of why we also should go towards systems that are not capitalistic and that they are creating inequities inequalities that are continuing to harm people and we can pretend like everything's okay but we're ignoring the suffering of real individuals many of us who get to enjoy or be in the more privileged parts of society we enjoy it and we want to turn a blind eye because if you feel good if you like your life you don't want to think about those who are suffering and uh, thomas piketty talks about in capital and ideology how there's always these ideologies that justify the inequalities that have existed throughout history so one of the bigger ones now is meritocracy that if i have more it's because i worked harder if people have less it's because they didn't work as hard but uh, yes does hard work have effects obviously of course but when we look at poverty and wealth in the world or in the United States, is it based on how hard people have worked? Absolutely not. That is one small factor that that is going to affect some people here and there, uh, or everyone in some ways, I should say in a small way. But there are just some things that are possible and not possible based on things like generational wealth and a, a host of other factors. So we have inequalities in this world. We have a system of capitalism that is not sustainable. That it's focusing on growth and focusing on things that really should not be the indicators of how we live our life. And as I said, I'm trying to explore different modes of thinking, different ideas, ideologies, systems that might be able to replace capitalism or at least values and movements in that regard. And this was for me a great introduction into the concept of degrowth. So I would highly recommend this book if you're. Wondering about some of these same things that I'm mentioning. So, again, that's The Future is Degrowth, a guide to a world beyond capitalism. Matthias Schmelzer, Andrea Vetter, and Aaron Van singen Let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. <music> Come back studio number three one zero four four one zero five 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 let's go to a caller now radio Hamra, you're on the air
2: hi doctor how are you
1: i'm good thanks thanks for calling
2: yeah uh, i'm calling from australia i got a problem with my partner okay and uh, this is really serious i just want to know what should i do in the next step
1: okay how old are you and how old is, is your partner
2: i'm 34 and she's 30
1: okay What's going on?
2: Oh uh, uh, yeah, uh, we we met each other around 2020. Uh, because right now, nine months old baby. Hmm. Actually, she want a baby, not me. And she was like, she organized to have a baby and when it happened, she tried to keep it and just say, if you're happy, because in that time we've been really good life together. It's all right. If you're happy to have a baby, that's fine. Because actually, I had a plan to have a kid very soon, but it's not that much soon. But say if it happens, happens. Yeah.
1: Okay. Now uh, let me ask you: Are you the baby, are you married or you're not married?
2: No, nah, no, nah, we couldn't marry because it was not the COVID time. Yeah. Okay. Like everyone, like not actually Australia, know, it's very strict.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, and then just so I, you or, know, you said you, when you said you organized to have the baby, what do you mean? Like you did not want, you did not know that she was trying to get pregnant or did, was there anything that you didn't, weren't aware of? Or uh, what did you mean by that?
2: Uh, I had a lot of experience about relationships. Usually the most of the girls I was dating, yeah, they were like a protect themselves. Yeah? I was like a 99.9%. It protect, You don't have a life. It doesn't happen. But when I met her, I, I was thinking like, oh, she's the same, she's gonna protect. But when I try to protect, she says, no, don't worry, I will do that, I will protect, I will like, it happened something, I'm gonna take a pill, medicine, that kind of thing. But said, it's alright, actually, because the lady is different from man, she must protect themselves, not like her. We are the man, we, we know what to do, but... Well,
1: well, I mean, you know, look, these. Uh, just so I, I just uh, kind of stop you there for a second, if you don't mind. This is a pretty important topic, of you know, when you're looking at birth control, trying to get pregnant. Uh, of course, both men and women have their part, or there's things that they can do and can't do that are uh, related to them. But I think it's very important for this conversation to be had very clearly in a relationship. Uh, What are we doing related to birth control if that's what we're trying and in detail and also not just What a lot of people do it's just when they're about to have sex that these issues come up And it's something that needs to be discussed outside of the bedroom You know when the in the heat of the moment lots of things can be said or done that people are going to be We actually know there's research showing that when you're in that state of mind you're in a different you're not as aware of consequences or don't take them as seriously as you would if you were not aroused or in that situation. So it's important to have these conversations and for both partners to take responsibility, the man and the woman to take responsibility and not assume something. Uh, But nonetheless, because the way you're describing it is as if she was saying, I will make sure I don't get pregnant, but that she did not really, she was wanting to get pregnant. Exactly the
2: point When I talked to her Like uh, last couple of weeks She says, yeah I was planning to have a baby But I don't know Unfortunately Unfortunately It happened with me I don't know But maybe I had some other boyfriend Probably She had a baby with him, But she had a plan To have a baby Okay So Since I met her like I was trying to be together. Everything was very really good. At the beginning, everything was perfect. That's why I tried. Like I, 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 I told her, like I keep her, keep the baby, because everything was in perfect situation. Like the like, dating, conversation, everything. In the, in the, was in the top. So when we moved together, we didn't, we didn't live together in that time. There was a COVID We couldn't about The house Basically for the house she like us By the stars And that kind of thing When we moved together Problems start At the first day mm-hmm. Exactly fight Every second day She was nervous She was angry I was angry His anger Between us was okay, fucking None stop. None stop. us Sorry um that's why I've become very cool in these relationships. I always say to myself, we actually we say to each other, if you didn't have a baby, maybe this relationship doesn't stay longer, at least for two, three weeks. So we had a baby, we stayed together, even like, happened like a, in two subjects a day, we had a five. It's still, I really, I really can't help, I'm like not help and not Really anger anger one. But last, last couple of months, I can't
1: hold my anger. By the way, if you can speak any a little, at least I'd be a little bit louder, it's kind of hard to hear your yes. voice.
2: Yes, yes. you know right now?
1: A little bit better, yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. Okay. And in last couple weeks, I can't stop my anger. I don't know why. It's the first time in my life, any single thing happens, I... Become like a mad person. I yelling, nothing on the key. Yeah, and like uh, inside myself, I'm like I try to punch something. But out of myself, like in the house, I try to hold myself. Say come down. Don't say anything because I believe if I say something, that thing the same my mind for whole week. Mm -hmm. You know, it's gonna like I had a bad feeling for whole week. That's why I try to don't say anything. I tried to keep everything inside to myself. Uh, she had a lot of problems, even if we can't sleep together. I can't even, like, I kiss her anymore. I can't talk to her anymore. Millions, millions problem. problems. But at the moment, she tried to have another baby. She said, the best to have one more baby. They can play together. I said, I can't, because when, when she was pregnant, Oh, this terrible life. I never had a this terrible life in my life. I said I can't put myself in that situation again. You don't know how it was hard for me when you've been pregnant. If you be the same no chance. Forget it. Actually I was thinking to leave her but I don't know in the next couple months when she when my baby grew up a little bit. I don't know, this kind of things is coming in my mind. I don't know which one is good, which one is bad, but I don't Fred thinks I don't want to hurt my baby. I do everything for her. And I believe, and I believe she will be very struggling about the income you know, if I if I leave her, because she got the mortgage at the home, she doesn't work much, she left the job because of she has to sleep in the home, looking after the baby. Too many things, too many things mixed up together. Yeah. And I swear I can't handle it.
1: Well yeah, it does seem like you right. Yeah, well I mean you're obviously not in a good situation. You're um you know the re- the way you described the relationship itself, it's at the beginning you were saying it was very good, but you probably didn't know each other as well or you weren't obviously living as living together experiencing each other in a way to have these kinds of arguments. And then the way she got pregnant at least to your side it felt that it was a bit that she was not totally with the best intention or letting you know what she wanted or it just didn't seem like you were wanting it at that time but because the relationship was good you said let's go for it but it just seems like there's a lot not good about your relationship obviously that you're fighting so much and the way you're describing your anger that you're saying you've never experienced anger like this before or expressed it in this way, that's obviously not going to be good for yourself or her, but especially your child that you have, let alone if you have another child. Um, but what I want us to get into is what type of things you argue about. It does seem like it's a lot of things or it's constant. So it's probably a lot of different topics. More than likely, it's telling us that you and her are not a good match for each other, that you just, um, upset each other in certain ways. That, that are, you know, not something easily to resolve. As far as what you've done to work on the relationship, have you tried anything like couples therapy together?
2: In the beginning, yes. In the beginning, like uh, when she was pregnant in two or three months, I found some doctor. Mm-hmm. I talked to her a couple of times. I asked her, like, uh, let's go to have a like a meeting we have, but she doesn't want. She said, no, I'm good. You got the problem, Hugo. Okay. I try to like I push her to come with me, but unfortunately, she doesn't want it. So I get my I give her number to my doctor and I ask him please at least once talk to her. When the doctor call her, she's been mad. She is like a swearing. The doctor called me, Rivera. Are you in relationship with this lady? It says yes. say like this lady I. Live is not really good for you, Is the best just leave her as soon as possible because she, actually she says, I don't, she says to the doctor, I don't have any problem in my life. She's, uh, if she's, if me, if he unhappy, she can't live anytime. Mm-hmm. She said to the doctor, like now, right, like this, but the doctor told me like this, I said, oh, I know, I know, this is the best don't live together just maybe rent some house near to her house. Like if she needs any help, just be there quickly, like something like that, but it's no good to live together because this kind of personality is not good for you.
1: Yeah. Well that's that what was
2: I... advice from the doctor but yeah. but we couldn't but but we couldn't talk to the doctor anymore because I can't do anything if you don't come together. I can talk to that with you, but mm-hmm. when you go home Again,
1: everything is mixed up yeah yep. well I mean it does seem like the issues you're describing with your partner are very deep It's not just like one thing it seems like it's many things and if this the therapist talked to you and her and had that conclusion that's a pretty big. Indication of what we have here. You know, they this person, uh, professional, talked to you, talked to her and said, this is not going to work. Now, what I want to hear from you is what makes you think it can work because I know you said you want to do what's best for your daughter. And I think, of course, you matter, your wife matters, but your child, we have to give the most um, attention to what's best for her. And of course, staying together, if it's the way you're describing it, I know you say you try not to get angry in front of your daughter, but it's still going to be affecting her. You're already hurting her based on this kind of relationship that you're describing. So to think that, you know, she's safe from it, it's already not happening. And it seems like it's just getting worse. So I want to to talk some more after the break. I'm going to put you on hold after the break. Let's talk about what makes you think it can work. Or when you say you have to make a decision, what are your, the different things you're considering? And let's go from there. Okay. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to them now. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm here. All right. So before the break, you know, you're telling us about the situation you're in. You've been in a relationship for, I think, about two years. You said it was in 2020. It started, have a nine-month-old daughter. But from what you're describing, the relationship, uh, the way it is, it's, Almost constant fighting every day, more than once a day, from what you described. Yeah, that... Yeah. Doctor, sorry,
2: Doctor. this sure. since like a fight, but for like a uh, last since last couple months ago, like a uh, six seven months ago, we don't we don't fight anymore. Like you know, we have we are we are like a two two bucks in the ring
1: mm-hmm.
2: after fight like a ten round fight, we don't have a feel anymore. Like uh, we give up. Yeah. That's so, the situation right now. Like a two-person give-up. We just live together. Whatever she says, I accept. Whatever I say, she accepts. Mm-hmm. That's a life right now. It's like a, yeah. it's not boring, but we don't have a fight anymore. But we had a lot of fight. anytime in my in my heart, like I try to get close to her, all of that things become my mind. Like yeah. All of that fight, all of that conversation, all of like that things she says to me about me, my family, you know, how the social media talks about the Middle East, ah, oh, Middle East like that, Middle East like this, ah, oh, blah, 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 blah. Everything's come to my mind, and I've become, like, a, away from here. I can't like even touch it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, what you're describing, like, I, I think you used a good analogy, like, you've you have both fought so much that you are kind of given up, so it's not that you've resolved the issues, you've just both given up on fighting. And, you know, we could look at a relationship in a lot of ways, uh, you know, two is two of them is what's the bad that's there. So, you know, like the fighting, which you're saying now is less, but also it's important to look at what's the good that's there. And it doesn't seem like there's closeness or it's like a good feeling. It's just you're avoiding the arguments with each other. But let me ask you about that. Are, is there anything good in this relationship as far as feeling good, connecting with each other, enjoying each other's time?
2: important for me was really like uh, taking of the key. In the beginning, she was very protective about the key. But they got to, sometimes I feel bad again because, like, we went to the friend's house, like a meeting, mm-hmm. meet them, like or some visiting or something. I saw she left the baby in the ground and grabbed out the other baby, played with them. I asked her, What are you doing? Where's our baby? She took like a take care of looking after our baby, not someone else you give the baby to someone else and you take for out other us doesn't make sense. Many times I saw her, she's out She's other side, I said, where is the baby? Oh, I put her in the room. It happened to me a couple times, I had a big fight about that. Mm-hmm. After that, she's been alright, like the last couple of visits, we went out. She's been really not that much good, but still she can't like, control his her beehive, but Still, see a little bit, not that, I'm not happy that much, but I'm much, much better than before. Mm-hmm. Like it happened to me last week, she saw some like a widow in some visiting, she got lots of pictures all the time, sending the, taking the picture and recording that thing. She told me, ah, oh, I remember like we went to visit my friend. I saw like I was baby in the ground, I was playing. She saw in the video, she was recording someone, I don't know if someone else was recording of her. I saw in the video our baby in the ground and I was playing with other kids I feel sorry for her. Well, it's like a okay. in my
1: brain. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not based on what you're describing, I can't really tell. I mean, how bad it is, you know, sometimes if your baby is on the ground and she's playing your your partner's playing with another child, that that's okay here and there. It doesn't mean that's so bad. Depends on how much, you know, she's Doing that, I don't know if that's necessarily so bad to feel that she has to only play with your child. Uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, um, but even this, what you're talking about is about taking care of the child, which is so important. But I'm asking about your relationship with her, with oh, your partner. Is there anything uh, good there?
2: In the beginning, in the beginning, she was very attractive. About, mm-hmm. uh, everything was attractive for me, like sexually, for everything the conversation looking good she very nice dress because i was very picky about that kind of thing i can't get out go out this summer like a uh, doesn't dress up i'm really picky like a uh, nice makeup everything was nice at the beginning but now not any good point i don't see she look, doesn't look after herself she's non stop eating she got to, like extra phone, extra weight uh at the moment, I can only talk... Good point is only about the kids, looking after the kids, okay. that's it.
1: But, but the good point... About me, nothing. But the good points you mentioned were all related to physical. Yes. So was there anything else before?
2: Oh, uh, Before, she was kind. Like, uh, she was protecting me as well. I remember because when I was single, I love, I does lots of things, like gambling, that kind of thing. She always, like, she asked me, like, oh, don't do this, let's do that. She had, like, a lot of goals. She always planning, let's do this, like, uh, let's open the shop, let's open the these, let's make the future. You know, she had lots of, lots of things in the future. She had a planning to have a good life. That was good for me, because all my girls, I was dating before they just try to be out like a uh, hanging out like a uh, night going like like clubbing but she only the one she was she was thinking to build the future that was very important for me like if i want to be in relationship with someone mm-hmm. doesn't put me down try to lift me okay that was really good point In before but as like i dated her i put this one first i don't know i was wrong or I don't
1: know. Well, no, I mean, that's, I, I, I can see there's some parts there that are good. It was just when you mentioned why you liked her before, it was all physical, how she looked, how she dressed, and those things. Well, of course, having a child will change those things anyway, or just that's something that's, you know, will, will be happening. But it's also, what else do you have in that relationship? I didn't get a sense of what's drawing you to her. Now you're saying there's, there are these other things that she was was doing I'm also wondering about you if you're someone who wants to be married or be close to someone uh, you know so maybe marriage do you see yourself as someone who wants to be married or in a relationship
2: who you I uh, mean uh, me yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I'm very I'm very happy person I always get this time if someone see me for first time I really got the beautiful smile, I can't talk, very bold with them. And I try, all. I always say to myself, if I want to get married, I have to find some someone like myself, to be like me, always smile when I go home. She smiles to me like I feel, I feel safe, actually, at home. The beginning was the same, the beginning, she always smiling at me, we always laugh, I was happy. That's why I choose like I, I choose her. Mm-hmm. Because the beginning was like that. The beginning, very she had a smiling me. She she was very kind. Hmm. I don't know, if she was plain or that was a real but
1: well, I don't know, I don't but know also I mean, something I'm I'm you know the way you're describing like now I know you're maybe saying it just in a way of saying the the story but of saying always happy always or people see you as always happy that's not realistic exactly. or that's not but no but but, exactly. but even, no no even I, know hold, I on, know hold on hold I think I, I know I think you're missing what I'm saying I no one is always happy so I'm trying to understand how how you are or if, because something about when you say always happy or if I meet people it, it seems very much on the surface like not actually a relationship where you get to know someone or go deeper yeah you can meet someone and be very polite and say hello but that doesn't mean necessarily happy or going to have a good relationship so i'm wondering if there's a way that you look at relationship more in a surface kind of way than a deeper relationship
2: yeah i was i was telling to myself always if i want to get into the relationship i need someone like me like myself like my myself kind happy always yeah. a smile. I, I
1: think you're still not maybe yeah. you're not maybe you're not understanding what i'm saying i'm saying that yeah, no I'm, no one is always happy. You're not always happy. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're not always yeah. happy. So that I, the reason I'm, I'm, what I was hearing the way you described yourself and people, it seemed very much on the surface, not deep. So I'm wondering if you're missing yeah, something and yeah, exactly. getting deeper with people exactly. in general.
2: Exactly, exactly. You're right. Actually, me is the same. In the deeply, maybe I'm upset, but in the face, yeah, I try to smile. I don't try to like. I give negative, negative. I don't know. You don't
1: believe in mm-hmm. energy. No, I don't no. 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 Well, I mean, emotions energy. are oh. emotions. Make us feel something. I know. Yeah. Energy has a might sound a certain way, but no. I know. I. I totally. Of course, when we if someone smiles at you, that makes you feel good. If they give you a mean face, that affects how we feel. But even that way you said, like I want to come home, and they're always happy. That might not be realistic. Of course, we want someone that overall makes us feel good, and overall. Has a good feeling and all of that. But if you expect your partner every time you come home has to have a smile on their face, then you're not allowing that person to be a person who will have bad days, sometimes be in a bad mood, sometimes be sad, you know, and have other feelings. So that's why I'm saying there's something I felt in what you said that you might kind of like things on the surface, but going deeper and accepting yourself as a full human being who will have positive and negative feelings and the other person will have good and bad days and good and bad feelings maybe there's something missing there and how you what your expectation even is for a relationship or your expectation is from yourself of how you should be feeling
2: exactly exactly you know I believe if something doesn't put us down like uh, we don't have any problem you don't have any issue everything is fine she must like uh, be happy she must like uh, give you a good time. I don't know. Give me a smile; it makes my feel good. But we don't have any issue. We don't have any part. Uh, I can't put it in this way. She doesn't do that because, like, we always why? Okay. I, uh, I can't.
1: Hmm. I'm still feeling. I feel- don't know, really. Yeah, I'm still feeling like maybe there's a way we're not getting each other because I- I'm saying that even if you don't have issues, people will still have bad days, even if. There's no big oh issues. So, so you know, but I've, I'm feeling from you this expectation that the person's always going to be happy. So maybe, you know, it seems like you and her have a lot of issues going on. But another thing is that obviously once you got to know each other better, once you're past the honeymoon phase, you saw these other feelings that she has. And so maybe some of that was a surprise to you because you saw her as always happy. But I'm just saying. Maybe, you know, things with you and her are not going to work out, but just you have to keep this in mind. The next person you meet, if you if you do meet someone else, if you're not with her, when you first meet them, of course, on the first date, everyone's happy and feeling good, but eventually you're going to get to the other feelings that everyone has, you know, that they're going to have sad feelings, mad feelings, all those kinds of things that we, we have to accept and be ready for, just like you have them, you know? Exactly,
2: that's my problem. But I can't be like that. I always smile. I don't know if you the smile. There's a from. I can't understand. But in myself, I always smile. Even in the bad, really terrible day, mm-hmm. when I see someone, I don't know, without the controlling, yeah. just because they smile and smiling. That's my problem. I was thinking, like, uh, if I smile to someone, she must, like, uh, smile back to me. Like, uh, say, hi back. that you know, like that. But... When I saw someone like us oh, doesn't it doesn't get feel good like me, it, I I don't even I don't even want to talk
1: to her. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing is like uh, you know when we see people on the street or something, you know, sometimes it's just polite. We smile. You don't have to, you know, when it's just a two second hello. We're not going to get into like how we're feeling, you know, overall. But in more m- people we're close to or me- meaningful conversations. We want to share what we're really feeling. And something what you're saying, this sense of it being automatic, usually people, you know, we learn from a young age, If people want us to feel a certain way or not feel a certain way, so my guess would be from a young age you learn in a way to be a people pleaser, to make other people happy, so to make sure they don't get sad or bring them down, but then because of that you feel like those other feelings you have, the negative ones or the ones that feel negative, they're somehow bad or you should hide them and other people should hide them too. But really, those are part of being human. You know, that's a big part of actually getting close is we're actually closest with the people we share the negative feelings with. You know, everyone might see the positive, but those other ones, that's what we share to the people we get close to. So that's something that I'm feeling from you. Now, it doesn't mean even you and your partner are still a good match even because of this, but it's something that I would want you to, to work on yourself of being aware of this so uh, i know you mentioned something about a therapist and your your partner said no and then you went i hope you will go for yourself anyway have you continued therapy or did you t- did you stop
2: no i could stopped. stop okay uh, life is not that much easy to go up, like spend the time
1: well, life, you're right. Life. It's not easy and maybe it's not even cheap. I understand. But life is not easier. Right, no, but life is not going to be easier if you don't go. It's going to be harder if you don't go. So I get it. Just like saying exercise. It's not easy to go exercise and having the time. But your life is going to be worse if you don't put that time into exercise. So, I would yeah. hope you continue therapy or start again. But I do want to come back. You know, it seems like you're you're trying to make this decision of what to do, correct? Like what to do in this exactly. relationship. Okay. Exactly. So, and I, I did mention I wanted to ask you about that. So, what what are you thinking right now? Is your own decision making? What do you want to do? Uh,
2: the biggest problem for her is the income. I was planning if I open some shop. For her, she can not earn money, because good money, she can have an easy life. Because when I was young, I remember
1: that. So let me ask you, so are you you saying you want to end the relationship, but you want to make sure financially she's okay? Exactly. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, how you're going to do it, you know, we don't have to get into that part. But if you're saying you're fighting and, and the relationship is the way that it is, then you're not going to be helping your daughter by staying together the way you're describing things. I would encourage not, your actually, yes.
2: Actually, I'm not going to do for her. I want to do for my child.
1: Right. That's what because I mean. It, I, I
2: know. I know. I know her. When she struggling about the incomes and money, she's totally worthless. That's why I try like a cheap yeah. save about the income. Okay. When this has happened. She's gonna be like a 99% of the problem. For her.
1: So, okay. you mean you That's feel like your relationship with her will be better then?
2: For me, yes. Okay. But for her, I don't know. Yeah. Because she's sometimes happy, sometimes say, oh, we are a very good match, sometimes she says, no, we are not a good match. Mm. I
1: now some of those ups and downs happen, but the way you're describing the fights you're having, they're not uh, just typical fights. Or if she's, ta- you know, you're, if it's getting to that place where you're getting so angry and she's saying mean things to you or disrespectful things to you, that's not going to be good for the relationship, or that isn't really even a relationship. So you have to look at that that side of things. Financially, yes, go take care of things the best way that you you can. Um, but as far as you and her together, I would hope you try again to work on it. And, you know, when she tells you you need to go work on yourself or you go to therapy, I hope you'll tell her, look, I know you're not happy in this relationship either. Why don't we go together to try to work on it? Because that's the only way it's going to get better. So don't blame her for the problems don't blame it all on you that you have problems but i would say at least try to make things better even if it's for your child because you will be connected for almost the rest of your lives but at least the next 17 years let's say pretty strongly because of this child so you need to find a way to make things better at least if you're going to to continue so i hope you'll you yourself go back to therapy and recommend to her that we try something for our child even if you say it's Not about you or her, it's more about your child that you go to therapy.
2: I felt, I felt she doesn't want to end because her family.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, that's, these are, I mean, we're getting into, you know, there's other, I'm sure there's a lot of issues going on. I don't know about all of those, but you have to make the best decision for yourself, but yeah, for your daughter, daughter as well. And the way you're describing this relationship, it's going to hurt your child. So you have to find a way either you end the relationship or you make a better relationship with your partner, but continuing the way things are is going to hurt your child um, if it hasn't already.
2: Yeah, do you reckon if I, if if it's separated, is the best for the child,
1: or I'll continue well, this kind of? Well, life? it's hard. You know, I don't want to give you the. You have to make your decision. But I would say is, if the mayor, if the 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 relationship is the way you're describing, where you're getting so angry in these ways, and 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 things are the way you are describing, that's not going to be good for your child to stay together just because. You're staying together. Yes, if you do separate, I I would want you to be close. You have a responsibility to your child. That's very important that you make sure you're there in her life the best way you can be. But continuing a relationship, just saying we're together, it doesn't help the child if you're fighting and arguing. You're saying it's been less lately. That's good. I would say try to make things work if you want to stay. And then if it doesn't work, just make a friendly, as friendly as possible separation to take care of the baby take care of what needs to be taken care of but staying together in a bad relationship doesn't help your children
2: exactly i was always worried about yeah. these say, if they don't separate because they're hurting the kids. yeah they, on but the I, other side right looking, if we live like that together right when shoes grow up it's. But
1: it's this Yeah, and that's why I would say, like I yeah, said, work. So I would awesome. I would want you to try again on the relationship if you're open to it and talk to your partner. And if she's not willing to, then make a decision that, you know, makes sense. But but really, I, you know, recognize that staying together is not just helping. But I do have to go. Uh, we kind of are way over a commercial break. But I, I, I wish you the best in whatever you decide to do. And whatever you do, I, decide to do, it's going to be important what you do I, going forward.
2: I just got the one more thing i've always said to myself before i go home i say yeah you have to talk you have to do this exactly when i enter the house when i open the door all my feelings gone yeah i don't feel anything i feel like a other angry side of myself is coming to the top that's my problem yeah yeah. during the day i was thinking yeah i have to do i have to do this this." when i go home and i open the door looks like. All the bad memories. Well, that's yeah, I mean because we can
1: you know when the way our brain works is it's like predicting or it's responding to what we see and it brings up all, all Those feelings and you're trying to push them down, but they're just too much So when you see her when you enter the home all the feelings are coming back And that's my concern is the way you're describing it. You have so much bad feeling that it's gonna keep coming out Towards your partner and it's going to expose your kid. It's like a poison. Your child is going to get expose, exposed exposed like, to that poison to. That? Well, you can't because just I mean you can try to work on it, You know like we're saying go to your own therapy work on that But there's no switch where you can turn off your feelings if you have that much feeling I can't change that now Some of it you could if you work on it with your partner and you forgive her and you work through the pains Maybe it gets better but if you're not just imagining you're gonna turn it off is not gonna work where you can just shut off your feeling. So yeah, I would say go first thing in your control is you can go to therapy. I hope your partner will also go with you, but if not, you can definitely go yourself. That's something in your control and you can talk about these issues. but don't think there's some easy solution that if you have all these feelings, you can just turn them off.
2: Exactly yeah. cool
1: all right nice talking okay, to you thanks,
2: uh, thank you so much sure a lot for this.
1: my thank pleasure a
2: lot. thank you so much.
1: my pleasure nice talking to you take care good luck
2: you too thank you bye sure
1: bye-bye all right let's go to commercial break we'll be right back welcome back let's go to another caller radio Hamra, you're on the air hello hello hi thanks for calling
0: hi thank you for accepting my call sure um, yeah, Dr. Holakria, I'm calling you about a um, matter that's um, been with me, uh, I think, my whole life, at least, you know, after my, my three years. But if you agree, you know, it's emotion that I think it's uh, it's a more than emotion. I think it's a feeling um, that's affecting my work, that's affecting my everyday, uh, you know, practically life. So if you agree, I give you a background. Sure, of let's my, go ahead, yeah okay uh yeah i am uh, uh you know the third child um and i have one brother one sister uh, five years of difference with my brother i'm the youngest um uh, and 13 years of difference with my sister older sister it's kind of i've always been the baby um you know in the family but um at the same time you know i was born during i'm 38 right now uh, so i was born during the uh, War time, you know, in Iran, mm-hmm. it wasn't really a good moment. So I have memories of those times, you know, kind of being anxious, of it, um, you know, everything like that. At the same time, I think, you know, my assessment is kind of my problem goes exactly to those years. Practically, when I was three years old or something, you know, I got, I kind of reached to this conclusion that I'm not good, as, uh, you know, I hear, uh, I learned also from your. Uh, voices and you know uh, programs um, so and i think that's the feeling it's been always with me you know kind of memories from the kindergarten i have you know that i kind of always felt that i'm being left alone or apart you know kind of separate uh like you know i remember one day uh, that my mom was a little bit late um so i was kind of you know asking really this group of guys you know let me play with you because i was uh, i was really feeling alone so um, they said, okay, you can play with us only if you are going to be the bad person, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So, all, you know, these little memories, I think they stayed with me as kind of, uh, I accepted that I'm the bad person. And this feeling was, you know, as sometimes I was the youngest, I got, you know, more attention from my uh, father. So my sister kind of, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, was saying, telling me, you know, that uh, you're getting the attention from, Uh, your dad and your brother is not getting enough attention and that feeling was always there that I'm kind of uh, making shade for my, um, you know, brother and, um, you know, probably my sister as well. And she was kind of more uh, like a mom for me rather than, you know, a sister. So that's been with me. So I wasn't very, you know, the problem comes here that I started feeling not being confident, but there was a you know, kind of contrast because I was looking very confident. You know, uh, everybody in my family and my parents was telling me, "Oh, we really like that you, uh, you know, you are confident." Uh, but I was shy, so all of this contrasts. You know, like being shy, I didn't like, like you know, other girls. Uh, you know, dancing, for example, I was always hiding, not to because I wasn't able to to do that, for example. Um, but uh, then, I was good when i was talking with my parents just explaining things and i think right now that's my problem because a lot of times i think i explain a lot and that's not good uh in my job and then i had um you know sorry if i'm you know no um, you're good <laughs> okay. i'm telling you about everything so um you know i try to be consistent um then you know i stayed in um i was always a good student always on uh you know Top of the class, um, and then um, in high school again, you know, mathematics and physics. I studied, and uh, but at the, you know, in deep of my heart, I knew that I wasn't going to become anything. That was the bad thing about it. You know, mm-hmm. I was always fine. You know, my, um, I think my intelligence, my smartness. I don't know if you can call it like that. I was smart in finding a way, um, kind of to reach to my uh, reach to a goal. For example, getting a good grade. Uh, I was very good in math, but I wasn't, I I don't think I wasn't really good in solving. I'm not sure, this is where I uh, cannot solve my problem, you know, kind of just, I, I cannot think about it, you know, what what is the problem? I think I was uh, mostly finding a way, kind of, to uh, memorize or uh, learn it just at the moment, just to reach, you know, because in my family it was, the, I never experienced that process of uh, that um, that process actually, you know, of solving a problem. Just this is the problem. Now you learn this is the process. There is a process. I was always in hurry of solving the problem with the shortest path, practically. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the problem. And then I. I always wanted to go out of the country because my parents lived before I was born. You know, my father was a doctoral student in the U.S. and they went to Iran and they couldn't go back because um, of the revolution and everything. So they had to stay there. So they had always these nice memories of being in the U.S. for a few years. And, um, you know, that was kind of, uh, for me, my life situation, my country, everything was bad. And uh, just leaving the country was the Best thing I can I could do, so I left my country. I learned uh, Italian language, uh, and then I left the country. I went, you know, to Italy. I uh, got my bachelor's, uh, master's, but not really related to mathematics and physics because I wasn't really uh, confident, you know, in my even though I had really good grades.
1: So let me stop you there for a second. There, yeah. one the theme that you bring up, in a lot of ways, is like I'm. I look good to people, but I'm not good. I'm able to do something well, but it's not because I'm smart. It's like I find a way or I, you know, there's, there's a way that you think on the surface, you can look good, but underneath you're not Mm -hmm. good. And exactly. And so this feeling, it feels very real because you've had it for, for so long, but it's, you know the good news is you're wrong the bad news is it's hard to change it you know so you're not not good enough inside or not smart enough or not this enough but this feeling you had from a young age was that way and and also with the age difference and other things there was a way that probably you got connected to kind of more like a thing than like a whole person you know like you were the cute little one and so that can be nice in a way you get attention but it's for being cute and little for being this kind of thing rather than Being a whole person who has good and bad and flaws and weaknesses and also strengths and all these things. And so it also seems like you learn to make people feel like you're okay, you know, so be good for them or feel good to them. Show your confidence, show your feeling good, even when you probably weren't. And so more and more, there's a sense that even if people like me, they don't like the real me or they don't know the real me because I'm afraid to show them that. So. You, and then it becomes just part of your overall way of living life is just the sense that i'm not good enough now we're going to go to a you know commercial break shortly it was kind of a shorter segment the next one will have a little bit more time but i just wanted to hear some of your any thoughts on what i've said so far
0: okay yeah definitely after the
1: break no we'll even like right now. now quickly if you can just say i okay. want to get an idea of what what how it yeah. sounded what i was saying so far
0: i I agree with you 100%. Okay. You exactly said what I feel inside and, uh, you know, how I feel, you know, kind of, I I seem confident, I seem happy. And I was the person, you know, the peacemaker or the yeah. one that wants to uh, make everybody happy in the family, mm-hmm. even if my brother and sister were telling that something, you know, wasn't working for them. And uh, I was always... Anxious and scared that somebody got angry or yeah. unhappy, and my mom gets uh, sick or something. So I was trying, you know, to say that no, everything is okay. Yeah. I can I can make it. Right. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, you try to make everyone okay. You didn't want to add to the problem, so you had to always be okay. You're probably a more sensitive person, meaning you like pick up on things more. So you're seeing what's going on around you and trying to just create peace. But by trying to create that peace and calm. You created a war within yourself against yourself in the sense of not seeing your own value or recognizing that. So we're going to go to commercial break afterwards. We'll talk a bit more about, you know, I don't know if we got to that feeling that you were talking about. We will talk about that more, but also how it's affecting your life and what you can possibly do about it. So let's go to a break and we'll be right back. Okay.
0: Sure. Thank you.
1: All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to them now. Okay, so um, we were talking before the break. You shared this, you you call it this feeling, which it, I can understand what you mean, but it seems like it does color a lot of your, your experience. I did want to ask you a bit about, you know, relationships as far as friendships, but especially romantic relationships. How are you in a relationship right now? What's your relationship history been like?
0: Yes. Um, right now I'm married, okay. uh, and that relationship started actually when I was 19 years old, mm. uh, you know, in Iran. And then I left for, you know, Italy in 21, when I was 21, uh, you know, my boyfriend at the time, uh, he came over there, we stayed, you know, kind of, we stayed in Italy and we just got married in 2020, okay. uh, a couple of years ago. So after, again, after 10 years in Italy, I came to the U.S. to study a second master's in, um. Here Mm -hmm. and he again came here one year after me, and finally we got married in 2020.
1: Okay, well, congratulations. How is that going? How is the relationship?
0: Um, I mean, relationship also experienced a lot of ups and downs because of the, especially I think because I was very young going into the relationship and very young uh, and not ready uh, to leave my country, you know, kind of very early and committing very fast. Uh, you know I was I had that mindset that you know I'm just going to be with one person you know uh, all my life you know and that romantic you know vision of (laughs) being very young so I think that was the reason you know we started uh, living together when we weren't ready we were still students you know with no jobs and everything so our relationship suffered a little bit from all those aspects. Um, Now uh, you know I think one thing in our relationship is just you know, having a baby or not, because all the time with the negative mindset of, you know, having a baby is really bad. That was coming from my family. Just, you know, no, this is a very bad bold, we don't want to have you know uh, we don't want to add another kid and uh, all my years you know uh, when i was in tw- my 20s i was thinking one day if i want to try i just adopt because i don't want to add another person to this really really horrible you know kind of world it, now, but is that my, is
1: that your mindset of the world that it's very horrible
0: it was it was at the time you know i was just uh, yeah i think <laughs> at the time okay. it was like that
1: but you're yeah, saying but, now it's less that way
0: no, it's less. You know, I learned a lot, you know, from your father first, you know, really uh, listening to everything. And now, you know, I'm thinking that I'm actually the person that I love children, you know, everything around my work and uh, study experience was about children and childhood, because that was, I think, my concentration. And now, you know, I love children. Uh, so, not, But I wasn't thinking that I'm in, uh, you know, I'm. Re- I really deserve. To have a kid and hmm. this is a bad you know situation and you know to bring you know kind of because I didn't have a good uh, child, <laughs> child uh-huh. probably so yeah. not that's our main thing right now uh, but still, I think you know uh, that feeling that I told you know uh, I started talking about is at the same time that I know I'm trying to do things right um, but I think that something is fake you know something is not gonna anything you know. It's not gonna be like I think, and I'm not going to be able to uh, take care of uh, a kid or you know just do good as my job every day. I uh, wait, uh, you know, kind of just to be um, to lose my job practically, mm. you know, because I think that feeling of being on a you know uh, on the edge of a cliff or something. I I think I'm falling, you know, kind of. Um, that that happens yeah. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, well, well so
1: no that all right, that's okay you know that the the sad part is the feeling is is the fake part not that you're fake or that you're not able to do these things but you're just so used to that um feeling that like that's real that even if you do something well it's somehow fake or not good enough and this you're right you know you, and it seems like you you know listening to my father studying things you have some awareness of psychology child development those things so you recognize that this is coming from those early years of life and instability the things you faced you your family dynamic where you took on this role of peacekeeper of making everyone okay and when we do that we give up our own sense of being human to some degree or parts of that you know and i felt that in how you're talking about your family talking about you but it seems like you yourself of course in that process had to do that of losing that sense of I'm a whole person. I'm, I'm good. I have good parts, bad parts. I make mistakes. I do things well, but there's a sense that something you feel is missing inside of you. And so I think that feeling comes from the sense of not being allowed to be a whole person or thinking that these parts of you were bad, that you had to hide them. If you didn't, they wouldn't like you or people would maybe judge you or would be upset. And so you learn that there's these parts that are not, good about you, even though that's not true. Now, I'm wondering, with your husband, do you feel this sense of openness and you share yourself with him emotionally, the good and the bad? Do you feel more comfortable with that with him?
0: Yes, yes. Good. I share, but uh, at the same time, you know, he's also the last child out of, as uh, he's the sixth. Uh-huh. So, we have a lot in common and sometimes that's not that's not good because we cannot help each other you know it's kind of he's even sometimes more you know he gets angry sometimes you know very easily so i uh, not really angry in the sense of doing something or you know uh, being aggressive or anything but i see that his emotional uh, you know kind of state mm. um uh, it's not good you know kind of he he doesn't tolerate kind of hearing a lot of uh, negative thoughts and things so um Well, that's
1: something you both have to work on, and and you're right. Sometimes you both it it could be bad because you both don't like, let's say, certain things, or you don't want to cause problem or handle those things. But you both have to practice together of going more into those negative feelings, because it's not because we want you to feel bad, but that we know that to have a meaningful relationship with ourselves or with others, we have to go to those places. We have to go to those negatives. So. Um, I hope you both, if you have that awareness, can do that now. I don't know if you're saying he's the same or if you feel like he is also same like your family doesn't like to hear your negative feelings. Um, Do you feel like you give him that space to share his negative feelings to you if he's not feeling well?
0: I would love to give him that space, but he doesn't like, you know, kind of talking about negative feelings. He's Mm -hmm. the one that he likes to suppress, you know, kind of those feelings and just don't talk about it. Uh, And that's one of the issues that sometimes we have, because I like to talk about the problems and just being in the same team uh, Mm -hmm. solve the Mm -hmm. problem. But uh, sometimes I feel that he's very uh, sensitive and, uh, you know... um, yeah, yeah
1: we well that's talking. yeah well that's tough because you know that that further can reinforce your feeling that I shouldn't share those things and you know that it's bad or it makes him unhappy but we, we do need that and of course you both have to be on board with that do you think he sees what you're saying or he thinks he just tells you you're being too negative
0: no no I think he sees Good. he sees why I'm what I'm saying but he thinks that I shouldn't think a lot about it this, you know, uh, these things. Or even if uh, when I listen to the radio, for example, uh, you know, to the programs and I try to understand, you know, use kind of people's experiences to understand mine, he thinks that those are affecting me negatively.
1: Okay. And and it's possible, you know, there's something you, you have to be aware of. Sometimes we enjoy listening or watching some shows or something that in some ways is good, but also can affect us. So that's something, you know, I would hear him, not saying that he's definitely Mm -hmm. right, but being aware of that and how things affect you, how much you listen to something or how much you read something, it can have an effect. Um, But it seems like you're saying, at least intellectually, he agrees with you that it's good to be open or talk about these feelings, but he might think you do it too much. What that means, it's hard to say which one of you is right. If it's too much, important thing is that you both feel good about it. From your side, you feel that he still avoids and suppresses feelings. And he might intellectually say we should be open, but that he himself is not very open.
0: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't like see me sad I guess so that's sure. uh, why he thinks that I'm focusing mostly on the negative things and he just tells me just forget don't think about them you know he wants me to use his same strategy yeah but that doesn't work for no. me.
1: well it doesn't work for anyone it's not working for him either suppressing doesn't work uh, or at least we can say long term in a moment it can work but it's not going to lead to our own well-being or for our relationships and so yeah maybe he is similar to you in that way that he can't tolerate like you were saying in your family you didn't want them to fight or be upset so you would try to mm-hmm. be the peacekeeper it seems yeah. like he might be similar in that way that of course it's nice we care about each other we don't want the person to be hurting in any way but we have to tolerate that they will inevitably as a human being physically and emotionally have bad feelings and so we have to be able to give them that space to be fully human to have those and so it's tough because you're in a relationship that it does seem like I mean the feeling I get from you is there's there's good there in the sense that it's not so toxic or harmful but it reinforces some of those old feelings you have that I shouldn't have these feelings or I shouldn't share these feelings uh, where people don't like them because your husband doesn't like them because he can't tolerate them and that's what was happening when you were a child too Um, one of the things I always recommend for parents is to recognize how do you handle negative feelings because you have to be able to tolerate your child's negative feelings because that's part of being human especially a child they're going to cry they're going to be angry we have to give them the space to have that and so it seems like you didn't have that growing up and you still don't have that in your relationship but with him it seems there's some more openness some space for that but still he's resistant to really going there giving that to you, so that that can make it tough because what I want for you is more and more to embrace those parts and realize that they're not bad or make you um, whatever the feelings come up unlovable or not good or whatever it might be that you might feel. That's not at all true. You are good and have those feelings because that's what people feel. Uh, but your situation is going to make that harder. Now we have about a minute left. Is there anything you want to say before we wrap up or ask? To make sure we kind of put a bow on things and and get some closure on these things.
0: Yes. Thank you. I, I was just going to ask you if you have a book in mind or any um, other resources that I can use, kind of, uh, to go through this emotion. You know, because it's affecting, I think, my job situation. You know, every day I got a PhD finally, but I always think that I also they gave me the
1: PhD. well. You you know you, know, you have really. yeah, and I'll say I, I didn't mean to cut you off just mostly because of time. Also, you know sure. clearly you have you know what we call imposter syndrome. So yeah, even know, well, if I'm in yeah. the PhD program, they made a mistake to even. Bring me here. Oh, I got a PhD. I got lucky or something, you know, happened. I must have found a way. It's like, no, you earned your PhD and you deserve to be called doctor for having your PhD and that's yours. And and no one can take that away from you. And I don't want you to take away from yourself the value of that. Quickly, I will say, you know, related to things like if you go to my Instagram page, you'll see all the books I've talked about. Recently, I talked about Already Enough. It was a book related to self-acceptance because that's something that I think is going to be important for you. So Already Enough. Um, Also, I would recommend Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff related to kind of accepting yourself more uh, and seeing yourself fully. Because that seems to be, you know, there's other books as well. I'm just going to quickly say those. I'd have to think about it some more. Um, but I hope you can recognize, like I said, the only thing that's wrong with you is that you think something is wrong with you. It's not something is bad or not good up with you. But that'll be something that takes time to, to recognize for yourself. But I appreciate you calling and wish you all the best.
0: Thank you. I appreciate your time.
1: Sure. Take Have care. Have a good day. You too. Bye. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. A big thank you to Batis here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalaqui. Be kind and take risks. Have a wonderful day.